On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to Simon and Carl of Tribe of Names. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this bonus edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Ken Gregory as we welcome friends of the Palaver, Simon Godfrey and Carl Eisenhart of Tribe of Names. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Simon, Carl, hey. thanks for coming along. This is exciting stuff. A genuine pleasure to be here as always. <laughs> awesome. So here we are, as mentioned in the intro, with Simon and Carl of Tribe of Names on the very eve of the release of their um, debut album. Kinda. Mm-hmm. There's a story behind that. Well, th- that's Our why we're boy. here. We love stories. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read the blurb, and then, and then we will segue to your story. Uh, Evolver is the long-awaited debut album from Tribe of Names, previously Valdez. It's being released worldwide on the 4th of November. Beautifully crafted songs, superb performances from Simon Godfrey, Tom Hyatt, Scott Miller, and Carl Eisenhart, and a strong emphasis on the electric guitar, all bundled with fantastic artwork, from internationally renowned artist Mark Buckingham. And there is a photographer involved here. Is that um, Sharon Miller is her name? Wonderful. Okay, so we spoke to you previously, Simon. Uh, we did a bit of uh, a retrospective of Peter Gabriel in that frog vein. I and remember now- it well. It was a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. That was a lot of laughs. Um, but now we're getting to the true essence of your your personality and your band and 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 this is all about you so uh let loose you said you had a a segue a story for this album yeah i mean i i i think uh probably one of the best things to do is i'll start the story and i think um carl can probably finish it off because he has a unique perspective because he joined kind of halfway through all of this um what i I'd, I'd like to call it a misadventure <laughs> uh, uh, we we started to record this album i think in about 2019 we'd been writing for a while this was going to be the second valdez album we, we'd released um the first valdez album entitled this in 2015 and we'd spent two years playing shows promoting that album and writing um, what we thought was going to be the follow-up. And we were fully intending to, um, to get uh, everything together um, in time to start for around about 2018 or so. But um, I wanted to write an album specifically because the first album had been so guitar-oriented for um, our then keyboard player, Joe Cardillo. So uh, I wrote a lot of material uh, based on the piano. And then around about, I think it was 2018, 2019, when I, I approached, I'd always wanted to have a, another guitarist because I literally am 
a guy i'm a singer who strums guitars i i have no ambition in that area and i've seen carl play in his band pinnacle and we shared a date with him and i just looked up at carl and sort of like you know how sort of like in the uh hanna-barbera cartoon where pepe Le Pew sees the uh the cat for the first time and his <laughs> eyes turn into little love hearts <laughs> I, I saw carl up on stage and i went that guy's awesome i'd love to have him in my band and so i set about scheming a way of of trying to get uh carl into the band and uh, actually i'll let carl take it from there because you have a unique perspective on this uh yeah well i i had the valdez album and i've known uh tom for a million years i've known simon for a few years at that point so when he asked me i was pretty excited about it but my first immediate thought is that i'm a very kind of out front guitar player i've only been in bands for the last 20 years that are let's face it revolving around me uh <laughs> there was there was kind of a delicacy to that first Valdez album. And my first thought was like, wow, I would ruin those songs. <laughs> That's not my wheelhouse. And I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to do it just to hang out with these guys. I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to ruin the thing. I didn't want to end up being the guy who got fired from Valdez. And I didn't want to overcommit because if you ask my wife, that happens periodically. Um, you know, I had, and I had my acoustic group red. I didn't want to get into a third band and just, you know, be running around like a lunatic all the time. So I am still working a day job. So I turned him down when he first asked me. Wow. Uh, that, that was, that was the summer of, uh, two, summer of 2018. Over time, I kind of realized that Pinnacle, you know, we have a variety of, of different things kind of pulling us apart. It's still a working project but it's a very slow working project so i was very not committed to that and i said oh there is room and i i told my wife about it and she actually thought it was a good idea so uh i called simon up and i said hey remember that time that you asked me if i <laughs> no what if i had said yes <laughs> <laughs> so i i went down and they sent well then then after that then he sent me the songs uh and the, the difference in material between the first album and the second album was huge. And so as soon as I heard, uh, I think Tribe of Names was the first one I heard. I was like, oh, that's it. I'm doing this. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's been a slippery slope ever since. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, Carl joined the band. And we were originally, for a while, we were a five-piece band. We actually played some uh, shows as a five-piece band. Um, and then it became very apparent that our keyboard player um joe cardillo was really not into being i don't think being in a five-piece band i think he was quite happy being where he was um and he said i'm bowing out it's this is not really for me so we were left with a keyboard album with no keyboard player um uh to, to record so um i had to sort of sidle up to uh carl and say you know all those piano parts can you can you play them on guitar for us please <laughs> and and god bless him he actually did um you I know mean, i mean these aren't like note for note representations i said to carl like you be you but if you can take up the room that's now been left by those keyboards and they're no longer on the album we'd be very grateful and it 
kind of turned out to be the best thing we possibly could because all of a sudden we had we found another gear mm-hmm. um as as a band um with with carl there i've worked in tiny fish with with another guitarist this is my wheelhouse you know two guitars bass and drums um and uh because carl and i are both very uh what would you call it um slippery when it comes to guitar sounds we we often incorporate a lot of stuff in there which isn't necessarily isn't obviously a guitar when you play it um we we thought we'd hit on something great so we thought fantastic now we're on our way and then the pandemic hit (laughs) and we couldn't be in the same room at the same time so we we literally had to stop recording we got the drums fortunately i think we didn't we carl didn't we just get the drums in before uh the, yeah. the curtain came down uh, uh, last week of january first week of february 2020 wow so we got it with weeks to spare we got all the drum tracks down um and i don't know where we'd be if we hadn't have done that but then we had to sort of literally write the rewrite the album uh from home and not be around one another so it was a very long and tortuous it, it, a, a friend of mine once said sort of like these kind of jobs are like trying to paint the house through the mailbox on a <laughs> big long stick you know that was uh, an interesting thing since since i actually have been listening to it again because it's been a really long time when i was recording parts i would you know i didn't know what simon wanted to hear on these songs so i'd do four or five different guitar like completely different guitar performances and just sort of send them along I wasn't apparently I wasn't entirely sure what ones ended up on the album because there were a couple of them having some real trouble figuring out. <laughs> <laughs> and and oh, so you, so you wouldn't be the first Prague act to have that problem. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think Yes knew what Eddie Offord was chiseling in there when he was no. putting out that razor. Yeah, button. yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so so, so yeah, while, we, we, while all this is going on right yeah. you guys are, are trying to remotely rewrite this album that was supposed to be a valdez album and is scott just like bored out of his mind for a couple years <laughs> <laughs> we suddenly realized exactly what a patient individual scott was to be really honest with you yeah i mean he he literally completed his parts a good year before we completed ours wow so he's been sitting in some ways twiddling his thumbs for for quite a while while tom and carl and i sort of entered into frantic musical negotiation um <laughs> as to how sort of like the the album uh, was was completed but we got it done mm-hmm. and uh in turn one of the things that we decided when we were sort of like recording this is that we realized that we needed a new name because it did not sound like the uh, anywhere near the previous band, even though three quarters of that band still remains. And so that was the reason why we, we chose a new name. So we had basically a pandemic, two lineup, two lineup changes and a name change all in the space of sort of like three years and uh, there were times and i know that carl will will hit, bear me out on this where i genuinely think that we i genuinely thought we weren't going to get it done yeah yeah oh, there definitely some grim times back there but i think that also 
uh, I think that was good because it gave us something to having the album to do gave us something to focus on during that whole ridiculous pandemic. <laughs> Sometimes I miss that. <laughs> now that I yeah. actually get up and leave the house again, I'm like, oh, I miss those days. Like, you know, work for six hours on a Tribe of Names song and yeah. go to bed in the morning and not care what happened the next day. Oh, yeah. Just just not showering, shedding guitar for hours on end. Oh, just, yeah. yeah. That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days of lockdown. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm so permit. It really didn't affect me that much. It didn't really change what I do, you know, other than teaching from my basement. Uh, you know, uh, other than that, it wasn't really the pandemic was just kind of, it felt like it was happening to other people. <laughs> <laughs> So, Simon, before you joined us, Carl was was telling us a little bit about, um, you know, his experience having Bad Elephant sitting behind um, this record. So, did 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 the label play any role in helping getting you through this, or was it just sheer perseverance on the the part of the band? Well, there's another story which uh, which comes attached to this. It's another misadventure, if you will which is, uh, it, it was very much like being in a, uh, a band in the 70s with a record label. And that first album, they lavished a huge amount of money. The first Valdez album. They found it about, they, they really did sort of go to town and we, we got to record at um, a place called Catapult Studios in, in North Wales, in, here in Pennsylvania, mm. with uh, Brett Carl of Echolin producing and nice. um, oh, sure. you know, unlimited studio time. And it was fantastic. But because we spent so much money on that first album, when we came back to them, they said, "There's no money in the in the in the in the pot for you this time round. Mm -hmm. We can't give you any cash." So we had to build our own recording studio. We had to we um, we cleared out the basement of our of Scott Miller's our drummer's um, basement. We set the drums up. We begged, borrowed. Well, I say we, Carl begged, borrowed, and stole as much recording equipment as he possibly could through his music contacts and microphones and mixing consoles and whatever. And we literally had to record this on a budget of zero dollars. It was basically absolutely everything we owned, we used for this album. Um, and while, you know, I'm not saying that the bad elephant music were being stingy. They were quite happy to, to, uh, to um to shell out for mastering and and cd reproduction and all that kind of sort of stuff they said if you want to release something through us you've got to record it all yourself mm. mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh carl will, will be the first person to say we never shy away from a challenge <laughs> you, you made a reference uh to echo Lynn and tom hyatt your bassist and backing vocalist uh was in echo Lynn, if i understand for a while yes he was yeah so yeah if, if you could just Put in a word for that band and Brett Cole. I mean, they're kind of legendary in a way. They um, are. And, and I'll be honest with you, for, for years when I was living in the UK, they were just one of these bands I thought I was never going to meet or see live or anything. They were just one of these. I, I was, there's a guy in Wales um, who runs a... Um, a music, a record distribution uh, shop via eBay called um, Gorilla Sight. And he was the guy I said, 
I got on very good terms with, with, with this guy. And I said, do you have any recommendations? He said, well, there's this band from Pennsylvania. This is years before I met my wife um, called Eckling. You should check them out. And I just went total fanboy. I couldn't believe it. So to be sitting in a studio with Brett Cull producing an album which I'm involved with and to have, you know, Tom Hyatt playing bass on it. Um, and I'm, I apologize for, for sounding a little bit coarse, but my dick was out here. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, I, I genuinely, I, I, there, there are no words to describe exactly how, how wonderful that was. And I can't say enough great things about the guys in Eckelin, um, Brett Cull as well. They are just, they're lovely. They're, they're funny. The very first time I ever met them all was at uh, an Elbow gig uh, in, the, in Center City, the band Elbow. And the hmm. very first thing that the, the Echolin singer Ray Weston did when he met me was lift up my, my shirt and blow a raspberry on my belly. <laughs> <laughs> and he that, had, that gets him the word to me. And, and that gets him the opening gig at the Tribe of Names release party. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, this is my kind of guy. <laughs> so how does one respond when meeting someone for the first time after they give them a raspberry on their belly? Like, what do you, what's, what's the next line in that conversation? <laughs> well, if you're British, you react stoically. That's, that's what you do. <laughs> and, and if it's Ray Weston, you just kind of like, well, that happened. Surprising as you think it would be. Uh, it's um, weird. I have a, a different Echo Lynn angle. Uh, I was, uh, when I, I went to Moravian College, mm. and Chris was in my music fundamentals class. Uh, he said, oh, you should come see my band. And at the time, I was in a band, and I thought we were the coolest band ever. We were awesome, and we could play Rush songs. And we're like, yeah, we're cool, but we'll go see his stupid band, and we'll make fun of them. Holy crap. <laughs> there was no fun being made, was there? <laughs> they were playing in the cafeteria, and they got about a minute into the first song, and I was just like, oh, I look like a real idiot now. This really and they instantly became one of my favorite bands. This was in 1990. One. This is before no, nineteen ninety. Uh, this is before uh, Tom was even in the band, and so I got I got to know them a little bit. And then when their original bass player left, Tom joined. I got to know him, uh, and just kind of kept in contact with them on and off through the nineties. Um, but always, like they were among my favorite bands. And you know, when they got signed to Sony Records, I was like, oh, this is incredible. And, you know, I, so now I, I don't know if I've said this in public yet. Um, Tom, during the pandemic, Tom moved to McCungie, which is five miles from where I live. So now I drive to and from rehearsal with a guy whose autograph I have. <laughs> well, as long as he doesn't give you a raspberry on your belly, you're good. No, no, no. He's all right. Um, <laughs> um, it's like I've got pictures of him on the wall. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I've got I've got a picture of Ken and the rest of the guys from the Palaver in my library on in my other house. So yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned Elbow Simon. Just complete tangent, but um, 
Prague, not Prague. That's one of those bands for one of those episodes where you sit around for an hour and, and argue if there are any redeeming Prague qualities in a pop band. Um, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great influences here. So Tom Hyatt himself, um, just, just the backing vocals alone qualify him to be in the band. He sounds really great on this recording. Yes. Um, well, and what is the process for coming up with the vocals and then, and then, you know, collaborating on the backing vocals? Well, I have to say that, that Carl, sorry, go on, Carl, go on. The process is do what Simon tells you to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the thing is, is that Carl uh, also contributed backing vocals, um, and and basically, with the three of us, I've I've always loved vocal groups. I've always been a big fan of, of vocal groups, and um, I just don't think there are enough of them in the world. There, I think there are. Being a vocalist, maybe I'm skewed, but I personally think the world should be full of. Um, the mummers and the puppers, um, uh, uh, and uh, the fifth dimension, and um, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Th- those are those are the kind of bands which I always aspire to as a, a 10 CC, you know, as, as as a vocalist. And, um, and what I get instead is uh, is Mashuga, and um, who uh, <laughs> who who are a very high underrated vocalists, in my opinion. With, with, when it comes to their close harmony work, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure any day now they're going to release an a cappella uh, close harmony album. Uh, by the barbershop. Uh. Yes, the barbershop couture. Yes. <laughs> you call them Bushugger, wouldn't you? Yes. Yes. Oh, d- d- does this mean that there is a Tribe of Names acoustic gig on the horizon? Is, is, is Tribe of Names unplugged even an option? We have done it actually. Carl and I played at um, the inaugural prog camp. We opened the festival, um, and it was just myself and, and Carl. And uh, I, I love acoustic music. In fact, if I be honest with you, that's my kind of wheelhouse. I grew up uh, on the open mic scenes of of London. That was how I learnt my my trade, um, so to speak. And I found a, a first tiny tiny flush of success with an acoustic band in london called men are dead so imagine my delight when i'm sitting down in front of uh, carl and we're facing one another with two acoustic guitars and we strike up into one of our songs and it just sounds fantastic it sounds really really good so uh, i wouldn't put it past us to do an acoustic show at some point in the future um yeah i'm tipping my hat to the uh Broadcamp. It's a great weekend's worth of, or I should say, a great day's worth of uh, of music. So let's let's kind of circle back a little bit to the album itself. So Evolver, um, worldwide release on November four. Release yep. party in Glenside, PA, on November fifth. We've heard two of the tracks so far. I, I can tell you what they're they, they're probably. I think one of them's "They Live to Cry." They live to cry. That's the yes. one on Bandcamp. And, and the title track. And then the title track. That's right, yes. You know, what percentage of the album have we heard? How much more is waiting for us on the 4th of November? And, you know, what are, uh, what are your feelings on the, on the record? You've heard 25%. Not really 25%, though, because uh, a couple of the songs are quite long. Sweet. <laughs> You're speaking my language, Carl. <laughs> That's well. It's you know. That's that's a, we, we're gonna make it a prog prog album. It's like oh, well, here's a pop song. Now we're just gonna put ten minutes in the middle of it. 
And that's that's <laughs> totally acceptable. <laughs> I've done clinical albums. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, what was the other part of your question? How do you how do you guys feel about it? I mean, are you is it what you wanted? Is it is it, you know, a work in progress? Like- I I think that it's it's the best possible start we could make as a four-piece band. Um I think bands live and die more on their chemistry uh of how they work together than they than they do on anything flashy or um anything um uh, especially when it comes to progressive music sort of like overreaching i think that you can achieve more with chemistry than you can with good production good playing or anything like that because once there's an understanding with with people that's where the good music comes from um and if i had one regret and this really is one regret um it's that we couldn't include more of carl um in terms in terms of being a songwriter because i really rate carl as a songwriter i think he's a fantastic guitarist um but he also has some amazing musical ideas and in a lot of ways carl came on uh on deck as a designated hitter Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways uh for this album um and I, I'm just, I can't, uh, as much as I think he's contributed a, a huge amount to this album, and you'll see what he'll, he'll do if you ever catch us live, um, I'm very much looking forward to the next album where, where Carl can genuinely be integrated into the, into the band as a songwriter as well as a, a guitarist and performer. So I, I want to get to the next album, but... You said if you ever see us live, uh, any plans to be in Texas? I mean, <laughs> hey, we never say never. It's, it's all uh, seriously. It's all down to money. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, if, if I was a if I was a multimillionaire or I won the lottery, yeah, you'd be seeing us play everywhere. <laughs> I mean, lucky for me, I'm usually not averse to flying back to Philadelphia to see bands that I need to see who don't come to, te- to Texas. So that's not a big problem. But mm-hmm. I, I, you, you touched on something with regards to the next album that I was kind of thinking about um, as you were describing sort of the 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 special circumstances around this particular album you know songs were written in sort of a a a previous incarnation and and then it had to change or evolve as it were and so i'm wondering and i'm curious to see and, and hear the full album myself and then you know project ahead to the next one if there's i'm wondering if there's an element of special sauce there and i'm thinking specifically of the of the the tales around 90125 which was written sort of in the absence of john anderson and then he came on and those songs had to change a little bit and i i, I there's a great quote that i i'll paraphrase from trevor raven that you know, like changes. He's like, nobody wrote it that way. Just some parts were easier for John to sing and some parts were easier for me to sing. Um, so I'm wondering how much of that is going to be reflected here. And then what happens to Tribe of Names, you know, next time around when you are, you know, writing together and actually be in the same room? I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you guys have thought about that or your, your feelings in that sort of regard. Do you want to take that? We've been thinking about it for like a year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) 
there is a Dropbox folder that's got probably by now close to 200 little bits between 30 seconds and two minutes of music uh, that Simon and Tom and I have put in there. I think Scott's even put a couple things, yeah. couple little MIDI cat things in there. And every so often, I know over uh, uh, Christmas break last year, I just took three or four of them and just stuck them together in Pro Tools and screwed around with them and came up with, you know, for intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Um, so that's floating in there now. Um, so we've got all these little bits to work on. The the thing that I'm interested to see what happens, uh, and I, when Simon was talking about, uh, you know, how the album was written before I was there, and I actually love that. I mean, the fact that all of a sudden there was this huge space created in the music where the keyboards, keyboards weren't anymore, it forced me to play guitar in a way that I have never in a bunch of different songs where I had to, okay, well, this keyboard part kind of goes like this and this is the chord structure of it. And I've got to come up with something that sounds like that. Not something I would have come up with in a million years in any other circumstance. Uh, so, you know, I've been playing for 40 years. I kind of sound like me. And on this album, there are places where I sound like me and there are places where it really doesn't sound like me. Oh, can I call out the, um, uh, they live to cry with the guitar harmonics, and then and then at the end was just strictly guitar arpeggios. Yes. Uh, what is that? Is that strictly you, Carl, or Simon? Yeah. Are you playing some of that in there? That's uh, all cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like those parts. That end part was a big piano outro, and that actually was what I was working on before I got on with you, gentlemen. Uh, so we've got to relearn how to play that now. And it's a challenge. And then it's a real challenge to play the end of the big loud part of the song into that. So that's what my week is. Um, but <laughs> figuring out what those chords were and then figuring out a way to kind of mirror that piano part, uh, you know, was, was a fantastic challenge. And it sort of opened my eyes to a different way. Uh, if I don't know if you play guitar at all. But that's all. It's not finger picked. I'm never playing more than one note at a time. It's all flat picked. Um, and it's, oh. it's two different lines going on, but it's kind of a, uh, it's like I'm juggling it. Oh, wonderful. Um, so it's, it was an interesting way to go. And then, yeah, the guitar solo in the middle, uh, again, this is like an example of the bull in a china shop thing. Uh, when I first heard that song, Simon had a guitar solo in there. And I said, well, I'll play a harmony part over that guitar solo. And so like bullied my way into Simon's only guitar solo. And <laughs> we had to it and then add my guitar solo after it. So, so Simon gets, I think, four bars of his actual own guitar solo. <laughs> it's a good thing Simon has no ambitions in this area. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, and now talk about the uh, title track. Um, any particular bands in possibly influence so some of the vibe of the uh, uh, title track? Um, you know, I, I was definitely thinking Rush, but maybe you can tell me if other influences came into view. When that when that track first uh, appeared, when I was writing that track, I was trying to write in the style of Behind the Lines by Duke. Neat. 
that big sort of opening yeah. push of those chords. Um, and of course, once we lost our keyboard player, we, we, it, all of those keyboard parts vanished. And I thought, well, we can't play this tune any longer. And, uh, and then, you know, basically Carl walks in and says, there is another way we can, there is another path. Uh, <laughs> this is the way. Yeah. And he created what, you know, I like to think that it's like a, a hybrid between, um, behind the lines and Xanadu by Rush, that opening mm -hmm. sort of like that, that section is sort of like, uh, that's where it, it's sort of in my, in my head, basically, I'm not talking about whether or not it actually came out like that, but that's certainly, especially the way that there's a lovely arpeggio during uh, the opening sequence. The first, basically, I think it's two and a half minutes is purely all instrumental before the song starts. And there's a lovely arpeggio that Carl plays, which is um, uh, very much like in that kind of um, almost like uh, spirit of the radio-y kind of vibe. Um, and uh, and I, the, the moment he played it, Every single one of us in, uh, and I was going to say in the room, but it wasn't. It was on Zoom. Uh, <laughs> in the Zoom. <laughs> yeah, in the Zoom. <laughs> we just looked at one and went, yeah, that, that, you do that, Carl. <laughs> Hearing the Rush influence in there, that's kind of the, the main common band that all four of us have. Uh, so, yeah, probably that's always going to creep in there. I mean, I, I've done my best for my own part, there was a time in the nineties where everything I played sounded like either Alex Lifeson or really crappy Steve Morse. And, and I listened to it and I was like, wow, that doesn't sound like there's any of me in this at all. And so I kind of worked hard on trying to minimize the actual sounding like Alex Lifeson part, but still keep that sort of spirit of adventure he has as a rhythm and guitar player. Uh, and that, you know, I have a strength as a guitar player. It's probably that is that, you know, and with where rhythm guitar comes in, I can always find a spot where a lot of people wouldn't really go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I like the uh, acrobatic nature of uh, you <laughs> being a, a, a piano as a guitar and uh, finding, finding this niche. Um, and, and I want to see dual guitar solos live. So, at least um uh, <laughs> well as long as as long as they only involved uh quarter notes then i'm fine once we get up in eighth note and 16 note territory that's carl's domain as far as I'm <laughs> at least we have a clear delineation of roles and responsibilities it makes things better <laughs> important you know uh, i mean playing with these guys is fantastic because everybody knows what their job is and they do it really well all the time uh which is cool because it makes me not be such a slacker um <laughs> i've i've been playing for 25 years in an acoustic group uh that i have this incredible violin player that i play with and because of that we can get away with murder as far as our set list go we can play stuff that nobody else can get away with just stick a violin solo in the end of it close with devil went down to georgia and they'll love us <laughs> <laughs> i'm not That's i'm not kidding you i've i've actually seen carl and and uh uh sorry what was what's the other guy's name chris is it yeah carl and chris play the devil uh goes down to georgia and then follow it by silent lucidity uh, nice 
Wow. Um, so it was like, you know, I think to myself, that is an eclectic band. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. I mean, we, we, we dedicated an outrageous amount of time to, to Queensryche and this podcast, which the world will soon find out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Well, well I, I plan to be at, at your uh, CD release party. So, so, so this is fantastic for me personally. And, and Joe, you can't be there, so suck it. Um, but <laughs> I, te- I tell you what we can do, Joe. We'll open the windows and play really loud. Okay, that'll work. I'll open my windows and I'll do one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really wish. I mean, it's one of those things where I really wish I, I could be there, but that is a kid's weekend. So I'm kind of stuck in Texas. What are you going to do? Don't worry. And actually, I've got a bit of good news because uh, the venue, which is, uh, as I said, it's called the, uh, sorry, rather, Ken said it's called the Royal in Glenside. They have a uh, live camera feed, so you Do can they? see it live uh, via their, their website. All right. Well, that gives me a glimmer of hope. Now I'm really happy. Very good. I got to figure out how to record that. I just found out about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, since since we are so cutting edge and, and hardcore in our pseudo-journalism here at Progressive Palaver, I have to ask the question. So there's a video on your Facebook, where you sort of introduce the band, whose cat is in that video? It's neither of yours, apparently. No, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> I, I, I have three, but probably it's Scott's. Is, is, it, is it kind of a big cat with a tiny head? Uh, it, it? it just it's it's shown like it looks like it's sitting on top of maybe a cabinet while you guys are playing, and it's just kind of like chilling. Oh yeah, that's that's got to be Scott's cat, yeah. who's I don't actually know. It's just the cat. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it was uh, Scott's uh, cat has has made his home in their downstairs basement. Yeah, um, and didn't seem in the least bit phased <laughs> by uh, all of the mayhem and the cacophony that was going on. He, uh, I, I, I don't know whether or not it's just a case of um, he's belligerent or he genuinely likes progressive music. Yeah, but he didn't hmm. move one or the other. Yeah, it was. I just I, I was amused when I was watching that. Um, to take another left turn. So, so Simon, you are, um, if I recall correctly, are into Greyhounds. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Because I, I remember uh, I go on Facebook about two, three times a year, give or take. And um, you had a post back, I guess, in the winter. Uh, you were relating a story about basically and I don't even remember what it was, but it had something to do with watching the absolute grace of, of these dogs run. And, oh, yeah. and I was just, I was so touched by that. I'm like, Simon's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Simon can write what it comes down to. Yeah. And well, it's like, it's like, any, I came out of, um, uh, I studied English literature at, uh, um, back in the UK in college. Um, and then completely wasted all of that education by getting into music, really. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, um, Liberace or was it uh, Little Richard sort of like said, yeah, I'm a great p- piano player, player, but I've always wanted to paint. <laughs> uh, and that's me with music and words, basically. There you go. And I guess one last fanboy thing that I'd just like to, you know, I guess address with with the two of you while you're here. So obviously during the pandemic, you know, one of the things that we all did 
or a lot of people did, I can't say I did it, um, to sort of maintain their sanity would do these little, you know, cover video projects. And I was absolutely thrilled when you guys did Why Me by Planet P Project, which is one of my like all time sort of super secret, don't tell anyone favorites. Um, I, I'm, you know, I, I've listened to their second record, Pink World, way more times than probably most people who even know it exists. And so I just, I, I was thrilled to death with, with that cover. And I thought you guys absolutely slayed it. It was really fun. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun to do. I'm a, I'm a, a pretty hardcore, this is weird to say, <laughs> I'm a hardcore project Tony Carey fan. Nice. If, if uh, I, the, the first thing I say when somebody says, oh, I really like Pink World, have you heard Steel Town? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> most people don't even know it exists. Yeah, there was, um, there was what, two or three that were, that came out sort of grouped together like that, right? And I... Yeah. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember what they're called, but uh, yeah, those the, those are whew, nineteen something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And I've even got a couple of Tony Carey solo records because why not? Yeah, they're they're fantastic records. He he is a, is a, an exceptional uh, lyricist to me. Is is really what pulls me in. He always finds that. You know, there, there'll be one or two songs on the album like, oh, I'm going to sit here and listen to this. And I'm going to cry. <laughs> He's really good. So, Carl, was was uh, Why Me your choice? Is It was my idea. Uh, Tom Tom and I talked about it way before there was a Valdez. Oh. Uh, I talked briefly about doing a cover band thing, and uh, that never came. But that was on the list of songs that we wanted to do. Probably that cover band never would have gotten more than one gig. <laughs> we would have a lot of putting it together because I've still got that list, uh, and it was it was a pretty wild list of covers. But anyway, when this whole thing came up, uh, I said, "Hey, Tom, I'm I'm thinking about doing a a cover version of of Why Me." And Tom said, "Well, let's try to get everybody into it." And once again, like with the uh, misplaced childhood thing I did with Pinnacle, everybody went along with it. I was like, "Oh." Okay, I guess this is a good idea. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I really like that. Um, uh, Simon, uh, way to go. Uh, uh, Tony Carey has a very uh, powerful voice, and you stepped up to the challenge. Very good work. Thank man. you very much. I, uh, I'll be honest with you, um, that song um, was not a hit in the UK. And so it was really, when I, when I heard it, I went, this is a great song. This is really cool. And so I, I literally sang it sight unseen, uh, not knowing at all who they were. Really? Wow. Um, wow. So, Welcome. Yeah. So I, I was given <laughs> I was given the lyrics and a copy of the uh, of uh, of the uh, the backing tracks, and I think I listened to the the song a few times, and so I sang it to Carl. Carl went, "Yep, yeah, you got it." And then then we then we uh, we put it all together. So yeah. uh, no one is more um, bemused, but pleased uh that that you in, in in you know that you liked it because as i said it wasn't a huge hit it's it would be uh, i don't know what what will be the best uh, analog over uh, from a from a british person's perspective but uh, i really enjoyed doing the song it was an excellent choice on carl's part carl and tom's part sorry i should say ah uh any covers we should know about that may you know come at the end of one of your sets or anything like that anything that really pumps you guys up beyond this we well, have a couple of surprises in the set. If you're okay. going to be there, 
Okay. Uh, one of one of which you we've done before. Um, on we have a YouTube channel. Um, so you, you can see if you go to our, our tribe of names on YouTube, you'll be able to find loads of things for everything from gear reviews to for songwriting, talking about the intricacies of songwriting, all the way through to sort of like some of the more um, banal but necessary logistics for how to play live and uh, getting over stage fright. But uh, we, there's, we also used to do this thing for a while called Friday Sessions where we would play songs from our repertoire and a few covers uh, live at, uh, at our rehearsal space at Scott's house, which uh, he has since dubbed Metronome. Uh, Good name. I like it. There's a, there's a gnome there sitting there holding a, <laughs> holding a, 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 a clock or something. So that it became Metro Gnome studios. Um, so yeah, we, we did uh, a version of, um, we've done a couple of covers. We did uh, Merry Christmas, everyone from Slade. Mm. Uh, and uh, we played, uh, we did Synchronicity by the Police. Ooh. Uh, did we do any others, Carl? Yeah, Force 10. Oh, yeah, Force 10 by Rush. Oh, wow. Force 10. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Tough times. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we, 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 do have, we do have a couple of surprises up our sleeve for the yeah. show on the 5th. Sweet. And we've also, uh, another thing for the show on the 5th is because, Tribe of Names is a continuation of Valdez, so we've taken some of the uh, Valdez songs and kind of changed them up a little bit. Um, you know, they're definitely a lot more guitar-focused than they were, uh, a little bit more edgy, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ruined any of them. <laughs> Not at all, no. <laughs> but we, uh, so we'll have some new versions of songs that if you've got the first Valdez album, you'll know the song, but you won't know quite what's happening and all the way through. And can I just say that one of the things that uh, is also going to be happening on, on that night, November the 5th, is that we do have a very special guest as well in the form of uh, Ekelin's, um singer and bass player um, and all-round raspberry blower, um, <laughs> Ray Weston, um, who will be doing an acoustic set to open the night. Yeah. Excellent. Um, very good. I'm, okay, I'm looking forward to this. I, I think I will have to be on time for a change. <laughs> get there early because parking's not great at, at this point you know um I, I guess you know we have you know the the fourth to look forward to and i can't wait to get uh, my hands on the the full release and i'm super excited now that i know that there is a a live stream that i can experience the party oh look see there's the pretty artwork love it i can't wait Oh, wait. Well, yeah, talk about this. Simon, tell us about the album cover. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, we got, we got very, very lucky um, in the fact that um, the album cover is done by um, Fables artist and Sandman artist and um, Miracle Man artist Mark Buckingham, you know, very famous um, DC Comics artist. Um, an independent artist as well. Um, and I mean, he's drawn, I think he's drawn Batman and Superman. I can't be absolutely sure about that for, for DC as well in, in the past, but um, he happens to be a mate of mine. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. 
so I've known I've known uh, Mark for years. In in fact, actually, Mark will be in. Um, uh, he's he's off down to the Baltimore Comic Con um, to do some to do some signing, and I think he's then off to San Diego, and he's doing a sort of a, a sort of short uh, artist tour around the Comic Cons, and um, he's he's in he's in Philly the week before um, we play live. So he's dropping by and we're literally going to have lunch. And I'm not kidding you. This man is um, graphic novel royalty. Like, you know, if, if it would be like having lunch with the edge, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, and the, 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 the thing is, and this is the thing that I absolutely love about this. When I first got to know him, I didn't know that that's what he did. We were, we just went out for curries together. Ah. And it only became apparent about exactly what a huge superstar he was after the fact. So um, when he uh, offered, uh, he, he did the first Valdez cover as well. So we went back and we asked him whether or not he'd be interested in doing the others. And uh, because he was, I think he was in the middle of a lot of runs of comics, we had to wait months. But like, you know, you can't really, even if it's my mate, you can't really say, you can't complete that DC comic cover because we want our <laughs> album cover. Um, so we had to wait, wait our turn, but God bless him. He came up with, with the goods, um, both on that album and this album. And it, there's some, um, what, what I call it? Uh, there's some, um, uh, uh some connection with the first and, and second album cover. And I can actually show you this. This is the first Valdez album and you'll see the lady on top of it mm -hmm. with, oh, the, uh, with, yes. with the, uh, with, with the balloon. Yes. And uh, we, we nicknamed her Valerie. And if you look very carefully, you can see Valerie in the middle of all of those people. Wonder yeah, you can. And the red balloon is up above it, too. And the red balloon as well. And, uh, and Brilliant. I thought that, that, was, that was a really nice touch. And Mark came up with that. Um, you know, that wasn't asked for. And I thought, what a great little touch that was to have um, at... Um, at, you know uh, for the second album so it sort of kind of links in and and binds us in with 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 uh with the first valdez album which i thought was really nice yeah that it's you know it's always it, this is a stupid thing to say it's always great when you work with people who understand their craft so well that they're able to do that kind of stuff yeah mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know that's really what separates you know that's what makes someone royalty yeah i mean you know for anybody else his work would have cost us thousands of dollars and it cost thousands. you a curry right yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. mark has been fantastic to us and uh he um you know i mean that man could have brushed us off and we would have said thank you very much for brushing us off and but no he didn't he went to town and he, and he worked on it and also there's a great uh, uh, artist called Brian Mitchell who did all of the artwork layout as well. Uh, so when you see that, that's uh, Brian Mitchell's work in the background and that man's an equally talented uh, artist and, and fantastic. And we're very grateful to have those guys and indeed Bad Elephant um, still backing us after all, such a long wait between albums. So, so really, Tribe of Names Evolver is just this huge conglomeration of talent on all sides it's fantastic we, uh, it's, it's almost embarrassing to to to, uh, <laughs> to to say exactly how much talent and then there's us poor rex in the middle of it making these mm. 
Challenge stupid them. noises. Uh, just to be clear, I was including you guys in that talent pool, but oh, okay. you know, you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, encourage everyone to go out and um, either pre-order or order, um, depending on when you listen to this tribe of names. If you have the ability to create a standing room only situation at the, uh, the the Royal in Glenside on November 5th. Highly encourage you to do that. Simon and Carl, very much appreciate you uh, you two spending some time here with us on the Palaver. Absolutely spectacular to, to talk to you guys about this music and this album and your experiences. And very much look forward to, uh, you know, like I said, to the album release and following Tribe of Names in the future and see where you guys go. And if you're ever... For whatever reason, got to be in Texas. You know, just let me know. <laughs> I'm hoping to come down for the Formula One race next year, so we'll see how that works. Cool. Great. And I'm actually quite good mates with Aaron Clift from the Aaron Clift Experiment, and uh, they're, they're Austin-based. Okay. Yeah, I'm just uh, a couple hours from Austin, so that's easy to do. Great place. Wonderful. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you and look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We are at ProgPala on all of those or search for Progressive Palaver. Welcome to email us. Our email address is ProgPala. That's that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.